There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Brooke Desher and the wonderful Taryn Hatcher, and we are midway through Flyers 2021 training camp. Uh, excitement, I think, is a buzz. There's always optimism uh, in the honeymoon stage of every season, but I think the Flyers have reason to be excited. I think their fans have reason to be excited. To me, I think it's really their best shot at the Cup probably in 10 years, I would say. Um, so a lot of excitement, and there's still plenty of competition before the Flyers open the season on January 13th. Uh, guys, a lot of discussion and a lot of focus on Claude Giroux. As always, he is the captain. He turns 33 years old this month, the longest tenured active athlete in Philadelphia. So let's talk a little expectations for the captain. Brooke, what do you think would be reasonable expectations for Claude Giroux in this shortened season? Um, I definitely think that people assume that since he still bears the C on his sweater, that he needs to be the top number one player on this team. And people still need to understand that it's more than just being a good player on the ice. It's about being a leader off the ice. And I think in just about every single aspect of how Claude Drew handled last season, if it's any indication of how he's going to bring that into this year. I think we're in a good state when it comes to Claude Drew's expectations because years leading up to last season, he has carried this team on his back and it was the first year where he was really able to not have to have all of this pressure because if he didn't pick things up, if he didn't get things going, he knew that there were other other guys on other lines that were able to shift the momentum in the Flyers' favor. So if we're able to get a Claude, a Claude Giroux that we had from last season, that's my expectation. I, I don't expect him to come out and have another 100-point season, another career year, because he is older. And that's not, a, that's not you know, crapping on Giroux. I, I've expressed multiple times on this podcast how much of an impact he has had on my love of hockey. Um, I just think now it is the, a kind of prime opportunity for – the Flyers as a whole to just be like, okay, this is Drew's designated like job really. And let's pass things on to some of the younger guys. It's not that his talent is depleting. It's that the roster is getting better. So that's, that's what I got for that. But I love G. I still, I still have good expectations for him and I know that he'll still make that mark. Yeah. He, he has so much left in the tank. And like you said, Brooke, He's not their best player anymore, and that's okay. He's not even their best forward anymore, and that's okay. Um, that's fine. The team is deeper. It's more balanced. And Drew is still going to be effective in other ways if he's not putting up a ton of points 
Uh, we know he's going to win faceoffs. We know he's going to lead. We know he'll be competitive. But he looks like he's in great shape in this camp. He really does. He's flying around out there. Um, and he competes. He really competes, and that fuels others. Claude, uh, Elaine Vigneault recently at camp talked about Claude Drew and how he's leading by example. Let's get into that interview real quick. Claude is hungry, and, uh, you know, I, I believe he's highly motivated uh, to uh, help this team win. I believe that last year, I believe it even, even more this year. Uh, you know, he's come in here very focused, uh, a lot of energy, a lot of emotion, and obviously that transpires to the rest of the group. Like today was uh, a physical scrimmage. Uh, there was intensity. I thought the pace picked up. It was longer, but it was uh, still, uh, in my mind, uh, the guys are trying to play the right way and do the right things on the ice. It, it, exactly what we talked to them about doing as far as their preparation. And and the tone will be set by Claude Giroux, by Jake Voracek, uh, by Provion on defense, by all these guys that uh, are Flyers and, and want to win. And uh, that's what we're trying to do. So that was Elaine Vigneault, head coach of the Flyers right there. And Taryn, you heard it. Claude Giroux is hungry. And I think there's definitely a motivation to him right now. He's in the second to last year of his deal. The time is ticking a little bit. And I think he's aware that, one, he wants to do more. Uh, coming off of the disappointment of last year's playoffs. And two, he's realizing that, hey, there might be only a few more cracks with this team uh, before big decisions are made. Uh, do you sense a motivated Claude Drew, and what are your expectations for him? Yeah, 100%. The other day he was asked about his age like four times in a row, and he immediately was like, I don't know what all of your questions are with my age. I feel great. <laughs> like, I don't know what your issue is, but it feels like a lot of projection. And I think that was huge out of him because you Claude's at his best when I think he's a little irritated and a little fired up. I think that on the ice and off the ice is true with him when he can, when he can stoke those flames um, within him, he does his best. I, I think it's also important to remember uh, as much as I think a lot of Flyers fans look at last year as a huge step and a massive improvement, especially given the season before the 2018-2019 season, there were long stretches of time last year where Lane Vigneault was very publicly criticizing the Claude Giroux, Jake Vortex, James Van Riemsdyk's of the world, sometimes by name, sometimes not, um, and saying, you know, you're the big money guy, so you got to play like it, and you haven't. That being said, I mean, I'm prepping for um, the opener and for Sunday scrimmage right now, and I was just looking at some numbers and some quotes and stuff from this year and last year. And Claude Giroux in 2017-2018 and 2018-2019 averaged more than a point a game in two seasons where they absolutely needed him to, and they still lost, like, a fair amount of the time when he did that. And last year, even though it seemed like a down year for him, we talked about the balance, which is important, and it's important to the success of the Flyers overall, and I think he really needed that. He still had, like, 53 goals in 69 games or something like that. It was still nearly three-quarters of a point per game. Excuse me, not goals, points. Um, he was averaging more than a point a game the past years prior to last season. At last two years, yeah, prior to last season. And then was averaging nearly three-quarters of a point a game last season. And he had some, some stretches where he kind of – Houdini'd and disappeared last year, but we're, we're also, I think sometimes we forget still that last year there was a ton of kind of upheaval 
that the flyers navigated really well. So you were able to forget about it, but it, it's kind of the memory on it gets twisted a little bit where it was like, Elaine Vino didn't figure out everybody until January, I would say, and he would say the same thing. Uh, at December was when they lost Oscar Lindblom. In October was when they lost Nolan Patrick. The entire top six looked different by January than anybody anticipated it to um, before the season started. So there was a lot going on last year. But I, I would, I think most importantly, and where he kind of took the most heat last year was the postseason. I think that's where a lot of guys have to put up or shut up kind of this year. Um, especially if you talk about the bitter taste in his mouth about the, about the postseason. I think that's really where his criticism and his kind of uh, criticism of himself lies. Uh, that being said, I mean, I would not be shocked to see a Claude Giroux who's, who's back at nearly a point a game this year. I, I just wouldn't. I think ton of returning guys, ton of familiarity, a coach, a, a entire coaching staff who now knows um, his strengths, how to play to them. Um, and I, he just seems a lot more, I don't want to say a lot more focused because he was focused last year, but like last year, the, the month of October was a ton of travel. We talk about October, November schedule all the time. Had a, had a young baby, like there was a lot going on in his personal life, all that stuff aside. And I think this year it's like, all right, let's do this. It's, it's going to be a tough schedule, but it's very friendly to your personal life. And clearly his, I mean, his, he's FaceTiming his son on the road, every opportunity he gets. So I, I, I'm curious to see, I think all the time home, I had seen videos of him working out in Ottawa, like as soon as ranks opened up out there during the pause, I believe it was prior to the bubble. Um, so I think he's clearly, he's pretty dead set on, you know, if these are my last few years in Philadelphia, I'm going to make them everything I want more. So I'm excited to see it. Likewise. And I understand fans frustrations with the playoffs and I think it's warranted. It really is. Um, you know, we can talk about all he's done in the regular season and it's been great. He, he's, he's durable. He's always playing and he's been pretty productive over the last three years. I'll get into that a little bit, but. Yes, over the last three playoff runs for the Flyers, Drew has 12 points in 28 games, uh, two goals, 10 assists, and he's in minus 11. And that is a time where you have to – that's like that's where everyone expects you to be you um, in Philadelphia. That's when the captain has to lead, and that's when you do have to put up points. You, you can't kind of blend in from time to time. Um, so I understand that. I do, but – the whole Drew is like cooked narrative. I, some people have tweeted me that and it's just, it's such a tired narrative. Um, is that because uh, he's older and he hasn't won a Stanley cup yet. So all of a sudden he's cooked. Like uh, over the last three seasons, Drew is over a point per game player. He's got 24, 240 points in 233 games. Um, he has not missed a game. He's a plus 44. Uh, only 10 players have more assists and only 13 have more points in the NHL. The guy's not cooked, but yes, he can perform better in the playoffs. But as you guys both alluded to, what has he had? Um, you know, last season, I think he could have done more in the playoffs, but the previous two playoff runs, they had nothing around yeah. him. They did not have much around him. And they were playing the Penguins and the Capitals. The Capitals yeah. were the best team in the league that year, I, I believe in 2016. And then the Penguins were coming off the of Stanley Cup. 
and like Giroud did not have much help uh, at all. And you know the thing, the thing that's tough too when I really look at last year, like I'm, I look at a guy like Phil Myers, and I think he was like in the postseason last season. I think he averaged more than 20 minutes of ice time and was a plus two, and um, you know obviously had quite a few points in the postseason as well. And it, it's tough because you see a guy like Phil succeed the way he did last season. And then you wonder like, well, why aren't the guys we expect to succeeding succeed? But then you also look at, I look at the Islanders and I look at what Claude Giroux does and a guy who you really want to step up against the Islanders. I, I mean, step up in terms of get points. The way that the Islanders play is a guy more like a James Van Riemsdyk who's out in front because they force you to just throw shots at the net from the outside. I mean, it's basically like a team that locks down the paint in basketball and forces you to shoot threes. And then you just need somebody to get the rebound and put it in the net. Like, and in that series, I'm kind of like, the, the Islanders are a team where they wait for you to make a mistake. They just lock down and frustrate the crap out of you. Mm. And it's not fun. And it's very frustrating. And I can see how it's hard for certain stars to get goals against the Islanders. I very much understand that. I have now watched a lot of frustrating Islanders games in person in the past three years or two years, but it, it, it is tough when you do have a postseason where like a Scott Lawton has a pretty breakout postseason of Phil Myers has a pretty breakout postseason um but like you were saying the cooked narrative is is irrelevant like it's not you know it's just it's not I I get everybody wants a Danny Briere who is like you know the big moment guy we all we all want it like we all do but it I, I think sometimes Claude Giroux's competitiveness gets just flies so far under the radar because he's the guy who's getting points and assists when the Flyers are down 3-1 and then they get the game back to 3-3 and then somebody else gets the game winner. Well, if Claude Giroux doesn't assist on a goal and get a goal, they don't get to get the game winner to begin with. And I think sometimes that's tough because he's been put in that position. Like you were saying, even in the postseason, hasn't had a lot of help in recent memory until this past year. So it's it's everything – without nuance, without context, is kind of erroneous to me. Yeah. And, like, would I like to see him score a big playoff goal or, you know, be a little more productive in the playoffs? Absolutely. Uh, But I don't think that significantly shifts his legacy or or how much he has left in the tank. Brooke, would you say if he's around, say, like, 56 regular season games, say he plays all of them and he's – maybe around a point-per-game player in, like, the 50-point range, you would be pretty happy with that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think in that sense, if you look at – if he's able to average about a point per game this season and you go, oh, that's not enough, you're stupid. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's like he's pumping out um, points and being productive at every single aspect that you can ask him for in this kind of year. And obviously – there are different obstacles. Sean Couturier hit on this earlier in training camp that they're fighting for a playoff spot every single game. They're playing the same teams over and over. Every single game matchup opponent this year is going to count toward their journey to the postseason. And while we talk about what could be difficult for them on this journey, this could also work in a beneficial way for this team because once they lock down, hopefully, I mean, there are a few teams, especially with the Islanders, like Taryn had mentioned before, it's that they're a really difficult team to kind of crack and they bounce on opportunities when um, 
when you fail essentially, or you slip up. Um, but if the flyers can sort of lock down opposing teams gameplay, it's just going to help them this year. So if Claude, listen, if I see any Claude Giroux slander, if he's averaging a point per freaking game on my timeline this year, you're getting blocked because it's not, it's not opinionated. It's not, it's a fact. If he's contributing to the team, it's, it's a team sport. You can't just crap on Claude Giroux. Yes. People have off nights and the flyers are a team that hold themselves accountable. Even when they won game after game last season, they never stood. They never stood there with media following the game, saying, "Oh yeah, we were really great here. We we're really great here." They picked out the points that they needed to improve on, mm-hmm. and that's what makes this team different than it was in previous years. Claude Giroux now has the opportunity to excel, even though he's older, because of what's surrounding him. And I think that everything from last year and training camp and this off season is just kind of progressively push into being beneficial for the Flyers toward the end of this season and heading into the playoffs. And it's funny. Part of me thought, was I a little too, what is that turn? It's Tanev's headshot. I'm sorry. I just saw that and I needed to share. If if anybody hasn't seen Tanev's uh, composite photo for the season, please go to any, really any hockey Instagram account and the look he is giving is the look I'm going to give people who say Claude Giroux is cooked. <laughs> uh, did you see Kevin Hayes's? Yeah. He yeah, just I looks did. so sad. I, so I interviewed him that day. Okay. I interviewed him that day, and he walked in, and he was so over it <laughs> before media even started. It was – I mean, he was a good sport, and, like, some of the questions were fun, and it's Kevin, so he has a good time and whatever – but you can just – media day is the worst. So if anybody ever sees a hockey player's headshot and they're like, why do they look so upset? It's – as a member of the media, I apologize to every single professional athlete that has to do a media day because it's like four hours of the same yeah. questions. And we try mm-hmm. to get creative, and then it's like a shtick. And it's – it's. It, but if you want to laugh, go look at Tanev's head – headshot composite shot whatever they call it he looks like he's he looks like he's talking to an alien <laughs> he's shocked and that's gonna right. be the look that's gonna be the look brooke and taryn have if anyone uh, has any drew slander throughout the season yes um, yes it was on my reverse retro yes that i got there, there don't go. slander my captain there we oh, go you got the reverse retro yeah nice yeah i love it I don't. It's even. It's even nicer in person. I'm not I gonna lie. Everyone. I, I know. Every I know. single person. I admitted person. I was wrong. I admitted I, I was wrong. Sick. Well, I've been feeling. <laughs> I've been feeling Brooks gonna wear that on one podcast coming up soon. So I'm excited for that for sure. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming. And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. NBC Sports (laughs) Philadelphia presents Headstrong. Men's Health and Sports Headstrong. A series about men's health told through powerful stories involving the athletes we love. Learn more on NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com slash Headstrong.
Well, Brooke and Taryn, as we know, there is never, ever a dull moment with Mr. Jacob Voracek. Always fun, always honest, um, and always jazzes up any interview whenever he speaks with us. He is always entertaining, and that's why we really appreciate his candor. And he was great in his interview uh, over camp so far. And let's get into that interview. Uh, he was asked how his offseason was and what he was able to do in these times of COVID-19. And uh, he was pretty honest. How was your offseason, and what were you able to do back home? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Everything was uh, pretty much uh, closed. It got opened up a little bit for a cup for about a week, and then it got shut down again. So, uh, yeah, just uh, try to train as much as I could. Uh, spend some time with the family uh, because they didn't travel with me this year. For They're going to be here in about uh, two months. They're going to come here, so I won't see them for a while. But, uh, yeah, no, not much. You know, it's, it's a good time uh, we're living in right now, I'll be honest. Charlie O'Connor, you're on with Jake. Go ahead. Hey, Jake. Uh, you said last year that you thought that the team last season was the best team you've been on uh, since you've been on the Flyers. You obviously today were on a line with Nolan, got Oscar back on the top line. You know, as somebody who's been here for a long time, do you look at this team and the depth that it could have and say that this team could be even better than last year's team? Well, I sure hope so. I mean, we lost in the second round. So, you know, you got to look at it this way that – uh, I mean, we definitely showed some progress from the years before, but uh, you know, unfortunately, couldn't couldn't close the deal in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, when you get a you know healthy Oscar and healthy Nolan, uh, when you have uh, one of your older Philip Mayers, Travis Sanheim, TK, you know, Proby, I mean, that's uh, they are in their primes right now. So uh, obviously, it's gonna. It's going to be helpful for us, and uh, I'm pretty excited to see them in the work. Well, Brooke, you have to love that from Jacob Borchak. And we also heard him say how, yeah, last year he thought that was the best Flyers team he had ever been on in his tenure in Philadelphia. It could be better this year. And he mentioned Oscar Lindblom and Nolan Patrick. And so far, so good with those two young pieces. All is well, and it's looking like they could be in the lineup Oscar Lindblom said he was looking to be in the lineup on opening night, but he was going to let the coaches decide that. And Nolan Patrick so far has competed in all of his practices in full. He's looked good, and they're taking it day-to-day, -day, but so far so good. Would you agree that this is uh, Jacob Vorchek's maybe best shot with the Flyers along with Claude Drew as well? Yeah, I mean, I feel like maybe Drew were... with... Sorry, Brooke. Maybe with Drew no. it's a little tougher given, obviously, he's been to a couple – with the flyer, yeah. Jacob Voracek. Uh, yeah. It's looking think, like it might be. I think, again, you have to keep in mind where obviously these top guys need to be performing. They make the big bucks. But for the most part of Voracek's tenure in Philly, uh, Giroux's um, run as captain, they've been on a rotating basically carousel of players that they've had to play around and listen it's a, it's a term that we were luckily not able to use last season because of their productivity but this flyers organization kind of sunk into years of mediocrity and you expect players to step up and hold these kind of positions and hold themselves accountable but you can really only do so much when you're two players so i think for voracek to say something like this is huge and 
I mean, people also tend to downplay how important Voracek is because, again, he's like a Giroud where he's not this top goal-scoring kind of guy. And, yeah, he's not one of the fastest skaters on the team, but he is an assist machine. He's not the finish guy. He's the setup. And I think that if Voracek is feeling good, I mean, he talked so highly about how all of these young guys are right like peeking into their prime, which is huge. I just think that all of the players, including some of the older vets, are now becoming aware that this is really the time where they're going to compete because they may be running out. There's, they have more seasons behind them than they do in front of them, and I think they're just kind of acknowledging the opportunity that they have and how special of a season this could be. So I, I like it. I think it's, it's a lot of things to be positive about. I mean, like you said, Jordan, Voracek tells it like it is. And he knows when to joke, but he also knows when to just kind of step up and be like, yeah, it sucked. Or, yeah. and I just, I don't know. I'm excited. The fact that he's positive going into the season is obviously a good sign. A hundred percent. And for those that heard that interview, uh, it was bleeped out or cut out, but Voracek <laughs> did slip in an expletive before he said nothing. Uh, about what he did back home in Czech Republic. Taryn, what do you think quarantine was like for that guy? <laughs> you know him well. I can't see him enjoying not being able to kind of go out, go about his yeah. life, go out and do things. Yeah. Um, I just have a funny Jake story before I forget on the note of Jake cursing. Um, one time, I forget where we were. It might have been like Pittsburgh. Um, I, I really don't remember. But somebody yelled at Jake about looking like gritty or something and called him, you know, he called him gritty on skates or something about gritty. And Jake turned around and he said, that's cool, buddy. I'm the highest paid effing mascot in the league. <laughs> and when he said that in the interview, I was just like, you know, he's just the best. Like for English as a second language, he never, he never fails to entertain. Um, he's got those one-liners always. Yeah, he's great. Um, yeah, I think, I think especially having been to Czech Republic with Jake there and yeah, seeing yeah. the way people treat him there and um, like literally one of the restaurants we went to, they have pictures of like the owner with Yager and the owner with other famous Czech people throughout sports and the world and everything else. And there's just like a giant picture of Jake from when he was quite young. Like he looked really young in it. Um, but yeah, he's just like a superstar there. Michael Roffel was joking that like Jake should run for, you know, office in Czech Republic. He'd win in a landslide. Him, him and Yager should run together. Um, so I'm sure it was hard for him. He's such a, he's such a rock star in that country. And I don't know enough. I didn't see enough of him there to know if he truly genuinely enjoys it day in and day out. But I would imagine that, you know, he's a guy who we've heard loves restaurant scene is a big foodie, like wants to go do things like gets frustrated in general at certain things. I can't imagine all of us, even though this patient person has gotten quite frustrated during, um, during this quarantine, but he also, you know, Elaine Vigneault came in and he said, I don't know what Jake told you guys. Cause I think he thought Jake was talking in terms of training and Elaine Vigneault came in and made it very clear right away. He was like, I don't, I don't know what Jake was talking about, but it wasn't training. He, he looks great. Like, he's clearly been doing a ton of work. Yeah, I think the reporter kind of misconstrued what Jake was talking about. Like, Jake was just yeah. saying, 
I couldn't like go out. Yeah, and like I'm bored. Like, yeah, he, he trained. It's not like he just sat around. And yeah, like, yeah. Because Elaine Vino was like, he. I don't know what he told you guys, but he's yeah. clearly been training. He's in great shape. And he looks great. Blah blah blah. And I interviewed Jake during during media day. He was my first interview. I think I was his first interview, so he was still in really good spirits. By there we go. And um and I was like, "Have you been?" And he was like, "Not forking well." <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> Every didn't say fork, obviously. Um, oh, it's great. And we were just Amazing. joking back and forth. And he was like, how's Philly been? And I was like, you know, it's it's been a wild summer here in Philadelphia. And he was just like, he was like, dude, I've been so bored. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, and I think, sorry, this is jumping topics a little bit. But I think the thing that's interesting with what Brooke um had mentioned about the Flyers kind of sinking into years of mediocrity and, and Jake kind of acknowledging a lot of these young guys are starting to hit probably the beginning of their peaks right now. It is really interesting because when you talk to a lot of people around the hockey community and reporters and writers, whether they write about it or not, the feeling kind of was for a long time when Ron Hextall was kind of captain of the ship was that he was this guy who was building for the future, building for the future, building for the future and had these, this small cluster of superstars but everything else was put into building for the future, building for the future, building for the future. And then Chuck Fletcher came in and he got a Niskin in and he got a Hayes and he started to kind of put some pieces around. And at the same time, this, this future group that Ron Hextall really looked at and wanted to develop started to become who they were supposed to become. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of things that it's nice to see that, that, that future, you know, Carter Hart was meant for the future and this player was meant for the future and this person's not ready yet. And this person's that, that they, they are that a, they are realizing their potential in any time frame, and B that it's happening while these, this superstar nucleus over here, that's now older is still here and they could potentially achieve something great together. I think we saw them all take a huge step last year it is going to take another step this year though. I mean, that's without a shadow of a doubt. You can't be talking about this team, playing potentially, you know, a Tampa Bay Lightning or a Dallas team or an ABS team, or, you know, depending on what part of the playoffs they knock on wood hopefully get to without them taking another step. But um, it, it is so interesting because when I first started covering the team and I was traveling with them and Ron Hextall was still the GM, the future came up a lot. And now no one's talking about the future. The, the guys who were the future are the present and they've really bloomed in a way that I think is kind of a happy surprise to a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I think we definitely last season became the turning point from, okay, maybe we're two to three years away from contending to being right around the corner from being legitimate top team contenders this season. And I think that's a, that's a lot to be happy about and a lot to look forward to, but we have to hold them accountable. Like, Lindblom was a healthy scratch guy in 2018, 2019. Yeah, don't remind me. He was a healthy scratch guy. (laughs) And, yeah, and, you know, a lot of us would see what he would do, especially when Scott Gordon came up, and we were like, what? What, what?" And I think a lot of that was, I don't know, not jarring and scarring them for the future again. And then you kind of take the leash off the kids a little bit and 
you'll, you let them go. And turns out when you take them to Disney world, the leash kids can behave themselves. And, <laughs> Good analogy. You know, and it's amazing. like, it's, it's just, it's really nice to watch. I mean, it's really a bummer what happened last year with Oscar on so many levels. And we've talked about it a ton, but also because I, I think the thing for Oscar in 2017 or no, 2018, 2019, and at the beginning of 2020, 2019, 2020 was he's always said like ice time for me becomes confidence becomes growth. And it all is kind of reciprocal to each other. Um, and he kind of didn't say it till Scott Gordon was coach, but then he was like, yeah, I mean, honestly, the more ice time I get, the more I feel like I do one thing right. I do two things right. Everything goes right. And then I'm doing something I've never even done in practice. And then, you know, I think we're seeing that with a lot of players right now. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's really cool to see, especially Chuck Fletcher seems to be such a, a good leader for those types of, of players, a good GM for those types of players. And same with Elaine Vigneault and all the staff. When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one. Just meet your match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Buyer's Talk is presented by Wells Fargo. Whenever our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. I feel I always kind of temper my expectations whenever I see, you know, a forward lineup uh, before the season because I feel – a lot of times there's always just natural optimism early on and you look at, a, you, know, you know, you look at lines or defensive pairs and naturally you're just thinking positively and you're like, wow, that looks really good on paper. But you can't deny it. When you get a guy like Nolan Patrick and a guy like Oscar Lindblom and all of a sudden you throw them back into the lineup, boy, does it shift the picture uh, big time. And you look at Scott Lawton. What's that, Taryn? I want to ask because I only saw tweets about it. Um, on the on the Nolan Patrick question, this is this is the reality of training camp right now. I'm actually having this conversation genuinely with Jordan for the first time right now. I think the, I hit, from, the hit from Sam Moran mm-hmm. on Nolan Patrick. What did that actually look like, and how? What was your takeaway from that? Because I, it's it's hard. I mean, even as a reporter, I know myself and Jim Jackson, like all of us, it's we're we're Twitter watchers right now. That's our yes. best way to get to camp because of the COVID restrictions. And I'm sure people would love to hear what you really saw expanded on a little bit more than a tweet would allow. Absolutely. It happened really fast and it happened on the far end of the rank. So kind of further away from where we're watching upstairs. Um, So I didn't have the best look at it and it happened really fast, but basically Samuel Moran, he's been great. He's been trying to do what he's been saying he's going to do, finish checks, play hard, kind of show himself that way. Obviously as he's trying left winger, uh, shifting from defenseman to left winger. So he was going in and trying to hit um, one of his opponents and finish a check, and he inadvertently kind of like really hit Nolan Patrick. And Patrick didn't see it coming. He went down. He was shaken up, took his helmet off, kind of went slowly to the bench. Um, you could tell Moran felt bad. Uh, yeah. But 
I, I wasn't overly concerned, and the Flyers afterwards said they weren't either. Jacob Vorchek said he was fine. He was sitting right next to him. Okay. Elaine Dio said he wasn't concerned at all. So, no, I think Nolan was fine. And it was kind of funny. Maybe Nolan – maybe that was a good test. It was kind of like ripping the Band-Aid off and just yeah. taking a big hit when you don't see it coming and then seeing how you feel. He got back out there for his next shift, um, and he finished practice and the scrimmage fine. So, that was a positive. And I guess we'll see. It's, I found it very interesting that they had an off day the next day so maybe that was good for Nolan. He'll have a yeah. day on the ice where he can maybe recuperate a little bit, see how he feels Friday, and, and go from there. Because the thing that was interesting to me, and people could, can argue for or against this, and I would understand all sides, but in terms of Nolan getting his, his first real big hit, you're kind of talking about a best-case scenario here. It's from his own teammate, which means it's not going to be with the, the vigor of an opponent still. But it's yeah. Sam Moran, who's huge, so it's still very legitimate. And Sam likes to be physical. I mean, I know he's coming off of his second ACL, but he likes to be physical. Um, so it's something he's good at. And it's not a guy on his own team who is actually trying to hit Nolan hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, on all counts, you, you kind of got the best-case camp scenario for Nolan getting tested with a hit. Um, and the reaction was so interesting online. I think partially because none of us can see it, but – um, but it was really interesting because I sat there and I was like, yeah, but when you, when you really think about it, you don't want a Sam Moran trying to hit Nolan Patrick hard in camp. You really don't. If you're a coach, I know you want Nolan to get used to it and get adjusted and see how he fares in practice before you have him in that situation in a game. Because say against, you know, an Islanders team, they check hard. I mean, they hurt you and they've hurt Nolan specifically before. Um, and I just I remember sitting there thinking like best case scenario as long as Nolan's okay is a big guy on his own team hitting him hard by accident and yeah. um, I was just curious just to hear what it really looked like I almost called you but I know it's 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 uh, from doing it from home it's like just hours of <laughs> hurry up and wait and then you can't miss anything so I didn't call you but um, yeah sorry it's definitely. I'm not going to lie. When I first popped on and saw those reports, my heart sunk because you had two guys that accidentally collided who are, you know, they're, they're not, they've dealt with injuries significantly, both of them for the majority of their careers. And thankfully nothing happened because I know that that was basically the vibe that I got from social media was like, really? Of all the two players that are on the ice right now, it had to be Moran and Patrick. So it's, it's definitely good to hear that it wasn't anything that the Flyers were concerned with, and it's good to know that Patrick is still doing all right. Yeah, Brooke, like Also, said, Sam Moran's the nicest person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can, I can just hear him, like, apologizing. Sam Moran <laughs> is the nicest person in the world. Like, I – Sam Moran – I, we had to share, me, him, and uh, Joe Seville, who, do P, who does PR for the Flyers, we had to share uh, an Uber back from um, Sam was doing essentially like a bag skate on the road one day, and I wanted to interview him, so I had to hang out after morning skate before the game for the bag skate to talk to, to Sam. Um, and Sam in the car, I know I've told a story before, talked about avocados for 15 minutes straight because he was so thankful that at the NHL level, avocados are offered to you with every pregame lunch and he loves avocados. He's just the nicest, he's the nicest guy. You know, I feel bad for him sometimes. I hope he, I wish him all the success. Okay. I'm done on my rant. 
Like, no, I know. All of us reporters, as we saw it happen, we were like, ah, like, crap. Or yes. Samuel Moran. Like, the kid's just, he's going through a position change and he's just trying to stand out there and do what he's been told to do. It's like, finish your checks and be, be that physical player. And the poor kid ends up hitting Nolan Patrick, of all people, inadvertently. Thankfully, it seems like they're both okay. I guess we'll find out really uh, Friday. You know, if, if Nolan's back out there for practice and ready to go, I'm sure he's fine. And, and it was good to see Samuel Moran was fine too. And Nolan Patrick in that scrimmage playing on a third line, a third line with James Van Riemsdyk and Jacob Borchek. And a lot of fans, that kind of caught their eyes of like, man, that's, that's a big skilled third line. And that just shows you what the depth of Nolan Patrick and Oscar Lindblom, the presences that they, that they have in this lineup. Uh, you look at Scott Lawton, a guy that led their team in the return to play tournament in goals, and he's on a fourth line. So we will hopefully get a glimpse of all of that in the inter-squad game on Sunday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Taryn Hatcher is smiling right now because she will have the coverage for us. Taryn, tell us a little bit more about that. We'll have it on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Woo! It will be streamed on the website. I know Brooke is excited. Mm -hmm. And it will be streamed on the My Teams app. But give us more details. Tell the fans what, what they can expect. I mean, it's going to be awesome. So, um, also, this ties in. I asked, I asked Jake yesterday, because yesterday was exactly one week out from uh, the Flyers season opener, about where he felt like everybody was at, especially, you know, seven days until you have to open your season. And he said, Sunday, we'll find out. So, Sunday, they're playing 60 minutes of hockey. It's really going to be um, Elaine Vigneault's kind of – measuring stick for where everybody's at and how they look and who looks good with who. Um, we will have it on NBC Sports Philadelphia, like Jordan said. Um, but it's going to be really exciting. And the thing that's interesting for me about it compared to like a, a normal, typical preseason game, and I mean this is no disrespect to anyone at all, but this is all of the players that you want to see this season, all the stars to see where they're at, because this will be everybody's really first chance to see them in, in any kind of game action or at any unedited practice action even. Um, and then all the young guys who are potentially the taxi squad guys, the two-way players of the year, um, and see where they're at. I mean, you could talk about when you look at – and you'll get to see some of the new faces that we haven't seen yet. But, um, yeah, it'll be really interesting, especially because, like, even for me as a reporter – I've got, I mean, I could show you, I've got about a notebook of notes and I've got highlighted transcripts for days and, but I haven't seen anybody play other than video that I've been sent. Um, and, you know, people try their best, but it's, it's going to be really interesting. You've heard a lot of guys say that they actually feel really great because they've done nothing but train. There's nothing else to do. Um, you know, it's, it's just going to be super, super interesting. Obviously, the big storyline, though, I can't wait to see how Oscar looks because yeah. everybody's been saying how great he looks. He's talked about how great he feels. You know, he also kind of candidly talked about how unprepared he was for the bubble. Yeah. Um, and all things considered, he didn't look like a deer in headlights in the bubble. I mean, he didn't look like he did at the start of the 2019-2020 season, but – um, I'd, I'd be really excited to see where he's at because part of Oscar's um, part of Oscar's game that makes him so special is his hockey IQ, and that's not really something that you lose with yeah. with not playing. And he said he's gotten his strength back. I mean, I'm just so excited to see him and to see Nolan uh, play and see what they look like. Um, but yeah, so it'll be an intra squad scrimmage. 
it will be, I was talking to my producer, we have a call right after this. It will be so, so interesting because it'll be, um, you know, really all the stars and the guys vying to be on the team all on the ice at the same time, which you don't see in a preseason normally. And it'll be myself, Jim Jackson, and Al Morganti doing the game. Won't look like a typical game. We'll have lots of sound from um, camp that you probably haven't seen or heard yet. Um, clips, guys talking about, you know, I think we have Claude Giroux getting feisty about his age. I have to go through my highlighted quotes and what I, what we've got on the rundown. But, um, yeah, well, basically it's we're trying to throw everything into this game that will set the stage for when Wednesday's game comes around. Um, and also we'll kind of find out with you what this team looks like, which is going to be super interesting. So I'm excited. Yeah, so much intrigue there. Um, and Taryn, I'm glad you brought up Oscar Limbaugh. That's one guy I think everyone is really excited to see. Brooke, for you, is there any player that maybe you're just excited to watch, whether it be a guy shooting for the taxi squad or maybe a, a, a bottom six spot, any player that you're just really excited to see in game action? I mean, in terms, I'm really excited to see Farabee. I yeah. mean, I feel like that's definitely, it might kind of be interesting because people are always like, oh, like prospects, people who might make the taxi squad. I mean, I feel Farabee's going to be on the roster from the start of the season, from the jump, but he said he feels good. He bulked up a little bit. And I just think now that he has that first season under his belt, I mean, I've, I've always been really high on Farabee's upside. And I think after that first season, and now he kind of knows what to expect, um, I'm really just excited to see what that level of confidence is going to bring to his game and a little bit, you know, he's not the new guy anymore on the ice. So looking forward to Farabee. In terms of taxi squad guys, I mean, I think Carson Tornsky is going to make the taxi squad. Um, and I'm just... I'm still so curious to see how Morgan Frost is going to fit into the equation this year because he, right at this moment, I know that he said that he'd be willing to play any position that'll work for the Flyers, but you're going to want him at center and you're not going to throw him in a position where he's not going to excel. And the, the truth of the matter is, why would you? You know, we have a pretty solid roster right now, but if you carry him with this taxi squad, I mean, that's it's pretty good backup if I ever did see one. Um, and I also just see – I'm curious to watch Moran. Yeah. Genuinely yeah. at wing. That's, I think that's it's the uh, news report that we got out of left field for training camp. Like nobody really expected that kind of news out of – at all. Um, and I feel – Would like have expected it for Shane. Sam Moran. That's what, what I said. What a shot. I, I just, I feel like in terms of, I feel like this is an experiment that the Flyers want to see through. So I think if there's any opportunity to ca like bring him with the team throughout the season, they're going to allow it. So again, I, I hope that Moran does find success because he deserves it. Like you said, Taryn, he's a really good guy and he works so hard. So um, yeah, that's just a few. And Zamula. I have a lot. I'm sorry. I'm excited. We have no, these are all good ones. Like, <laughs> it's so funny, Brooke, as you were mentioning him, I was like, I forgot. Like, I totally forgot about Igor Zamula. I'm actually really excited to see that kid play mm -hmm. if, if he's in there. I'm sure he will be. Um, and that's yeah, we don't have a roster yet, guys, so that'll be Yeah, we don't have a roster yet. We don't have a roster for Sunday yet. So. Yeah. So right. we'll, we'll get that to everyone as soon as we get it. But like Brooke and Terry said, a lot of intrigue, a lot of excitement.
And boy, is that January 13th opener fast approaching. And I know it's fans so are close. excited for it. I know. So we're, we're all excited for it. Uh, and and uh, Broke will have plenty of content for the website. Taryn Hatcher will have plenty of content as well. And so you will, will Jordan Hall. So yes, will Jordan and I will Hall. as well. Never you forget will. yourself, Jordan. Come I'm on. I'm not going to forget myself. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, plenty, plenty to watch and uh, catch Taryn Hatcher in the game on Sunday. NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com and NBC Sports Philadelphia. 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Eastern time. Well, Brooke yeah. Destra, as always, thank you so much. Taryn Hatcher, thank you so much as well. Great hearing from you both. A special thank you to Ben Barry, our podcast producer. And Flyers fans, as always, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time.